Welcome to A Slob Comes Clean, the podcast. I'm Dana K. White. I blog over at aslobcomesclean.com. That's where I share my personal deslobification process. As I figure out ways to keep my own home under control, I share the truth about cleaning and organizing strategies that actually work in real life for real people. I am also the author of two books, How to Manage Your Home Without Losing Your Mind, and the newly released Decluttering at the Speed of Life. Speed of life, meaning real life, where things happen and you can't always predict how much time you're going to have to spend decluttering. So um, I encourage you to check those out at aslobchemsclean.com slash book. I also want to tell you guys about something really, really cool that you have I'm not going to tell you the exact date because I don't have it in front of me, but like you have about two weeks from the time this podcast comes out, um, which is, yeah, about 316, 315, something like that. So you have about two weeks to go check this out. Um, Parade.com, Parade Magazine, if you saw it a couple weeks ago, um, had a little teeny blurb on page six on the bottom right corner um, about a contest that they're doing or a sweepstakes, I think it is. Anyway, they have all the legal mumbo jumbo there. But where um, they are going to, someone is going to win a decluttering session with me, <laughs> like a full day in your home, like my publisher is flying me there. I think it's only the continental US, but again, make sure you go check it out. It's at parade.com slash clutter. That's where you can go and enter to win that. That's parade.com slash clutter. Y'all think about how much fun it would be. If you're used to hearing my voice while you declutter anyway, I could actually be there and we could do it together. It'd be really fun. Okay. Let's see. Um, we, I'm going to do a decluttering Q and A. I'll be really honest. It's because this is spring break and we are trying to get ready to, um, you know, go have some family time. And so I need to record this and my brain is kind of frozen. I feel like it's just that overload frozen thing going on inside my head, um, with all the different stuff I've got going on with the book launch and all that. But, um, anyway, I, kind of went through my email looking for podcast ideas, things that wouldn't be too hard for me to talk about and um, thought, oh, well, these are some good questions that I could answer pretty quickly. So I'll get through some of these today. So it'll just be some different types of um, decluttering questions uh, that people have sent to me. Okay, here's one. Growing up, we had this mug with a ceramic frog on the bottom. My sister searched for some mugs and came across these larger, hard to clean mugs for me. I've hardly used them since I got them. Since she looked so hard for them, should I see if she wants them or just donate them without her knowing? I just have too many mugs. I ask because we are prepping to move to be closer and I don't know if she'll notice them gone or not. Okay, so here, here's the thing. These situations are all very personal and your personality, your sister's personality, your family dynamics, those things are all completely unique to different families. So I can tell you what I would personally do, but then you have to apply that to your own situation. Okay. And I get similar questions like this a lot, um, or see comments, you know, people just dealing with this. This is a very normal situation to deal with, um, especially for those of us who um, do love sentimental stuff. You know, I mean, 
my mom collected ceramic frogs and I'm not sure why, but there was some, something there, some relationship there and it had to do with my dad. I don't remember exactly what it was, but you know, like, so, I mean, I, I have that personal, oh yeah. Oh, that would be so cute. A little ceramic frog in the bottom of the, the cup. Um, but, uh, so my personal way that I would deal with it would just be to go ahead and declutter it. But I'm also somebody who's written a book about decluttering and everybody knows that in my life. And so I, because I've written the book and because I have my personality can go, oh, well, I had to declutter it. I didn't have room in my cabinet. (laughs) And then everybody goes (laughs) and they deal with it, you know, but that's not the case for everybody. So what could you do? Well, for one thing, you just said you have too many mugs. So are, do you actually use every single mug? And is it possible that you could one in one in one out this mug? Or you said it's bigger. So maybe one in two out this mug. Um, If you have mugs that you don't use anyway, but you do have the room in your container. um, Remember, we talked a couple weeks ago about minimalism versus the container concept. The issue is, do you have room in your container, which is your coffee cup cabinet? like that space that you have available here. And then again, you have to figure this out in your new home. Is there space for this mug? Is this mug crowding out mugs that um, you don't use? I mean, or that you would need. Okay. So, you know, if you were to keep this mug, would that mean, and you don't really use it that much, which, you know, minimalism would say, well, then don't keep it if you don't use it. And that's fine if, if you want to go that way. But if you're feeling all this guilt about it and you really kind of want to keep it, whatever, then you go with the container concept of, is there space? Can I get rid of two mugs that don't have any emotional attachment to them and create the space to keep this mug? Um, if you don't have any mugs that you are willing to get rid of to create the space for this one, or that you even can get rid of because you legitimately use every single mug, um, then that's what you say. You say, hey, um, you know, you either donate it now and explain this later, or you send your sister a text and you say, hey, I don't have the space for this mug. Do you want me to pack it anyway? And then when you come help me unpack, that's a nice little way to put that in there. When you come help me unpack, when I move closer to you, you can just take it if you want it. Otherwise, I'm going to go ahead and donate it now. I mean, you know, that's, that's the kind of thing. I mean, here, here's the thing that is kind of my philosophy in life, which I'll be honest, is not a lot of people's philosophy. And sometimes people don't take it all that well. Um, But I'm just kind of, I don't, I don't ask other people for permission a lot um, on these types of things because I'm like, it's my house. So if I don't want this, I don't have to keep it. If you want it because it does bring a smile to your face, fine, as long as there's space in the container. So blame, and that goes back to also blaming the container instead of making it a power struggle. If you feel like it's a power struggle, then you don't have to explain any of your emotions it's just simply, there's no space for it. Oh, well, look, here's a space. No, I don't want to put mugs there. This is my space for mugs. You know, so it's, it's blaming the container versus the emotions behind it and that you don't care about it as much as she does. And you can even say, I took a picture of it. 
on my phone. Look here, I've got it on my lock screen so that you can see it. Um, you know, whatever, because I love it so much. Oh my goodness, it's so cute. <gasps> but I can't keep it. Um, so it, it's really, I guess it's, my point is it's up to you because I don't know your situation with your sister. And I do know there are a lot of people out there who like to um, guilt people into keeping things that they um, gave them. I, I mean, <laughs> my husband and I got married and his parents gave us their couch. And I was pretty disappointed because this was a super ugly fuzzy brown if you have a fuzzy brown couch I'm not talking about yours but it it was it was officially beyond out of style like it had been out of style for probably 15 years when we got it okay it was all these different colors of brown and anyway and I was like okay you know but all right whatever but when we moved into our house I mean there was just absolutely no question we were not keeping that couch we were not going to move that couch we were getting a house and I was going to get my own couch because you know that's what I wanted and that's what you get to do get to do and so we donated the couch to I think my church was having a my mom's church whatever was having a garage sale and I was like okay good all right let's give that couch because we're not going to move it because there's no way I'm putting that in my new house we had gotten a a couch cover for while we you know we're an apartment and we're making do with that and the three dining tables that I talk about in the book but anyway um that was the reality of the situation that we were in I was not going to move it period and you know of course he didn't say it to my face um But, you know, my husband said something later about how his dad was offended that we had not kept that couch. And, you know, of course, that was one of those situations where I was like, um, you didn't keep the couch. You wanted a new couch because it was out of style and old. Why in the world would we starting out keep that couch? You know, I mean, so it's, it's often, yes, there is a moment of, oh, I gave that to them. Oh, I've had the same moment with other people. I mean, I've had that exact same moment where I gave somebody something. I'm much better about this now, but it used to, I gave somebody something. I thought, well, this is a great thing for you to have. And then it turns out they didn't want it and they got rid of it. And I had that moment of, oh, but I, I really was thinking a lot about them when I got that for them. I was solving a problem that I had seen that they had, and I was being helpful to give them that. Even though I had that moment of feeling that way, I lived through it and I got over it and it didn't ruin my relationship with any of these people. Can I guarantee that for you? No, I don't know your unique situation, but I'm saying that that moment, that temporary moment of, oh, or that temporary uncomfortableness of, yeah, I just don't have the space for it. Mm, I'm just not willing to move it. Or, you know, it, it's just not a cup that I'm actually going to drink out of. I loved it. What a, that moment of awkwardness huh, is so much better than experiencing the moment of awkwardness and then later not having that in my house to get on my nerves, being able to get rid of it. That temporary moment of awkwardness is a whole lot better to experience than every single time I open up that cabinet and I don't have room for things or something's falling out and thinking, oh, that stupid mug. Kids don't call mugs stupid. That's not nice. But 
that's what we think, right? I mean, it just is. It's like, oh, that mug. I cannot stand that mug. Why did she give me that? I mean, I, that's one of those times where you just have to realize that there's either this temporary awkwardness or this ongoing long-term frustration. And I would rather take the temporary awkwardness or the risk of temporary awkwardness, which is that I'm going to get rid of it and she's never going to notice, um, over the long-term frustration of having more in my house than I can handle. And you know, the other thing too, is I always say, just blame it on this Dana lady. I mean, don't like blame me as in I personally told you to get rid of it. But you know, I read this book or I listened to this podcast and you know, this lady talks about your clutter threshold and it's really hard to explain, but basically it's helped me to, um, to realize that, I, um, you know, I just can't handle all this stuff, you know, and then when they go, Oh, I know (laughs) you're also so out of control. You're like, (laughs) stop talking. Okay. All right. I am rambling. Let's see. Okay. Before I move to the next question, let me talk about my sponsor for this week's podcast. Here's a question. What do you do with your favorite photos? Do you make them your lock screen on your phone? I personally switch out my, my kids with the lock screens, um, photos and then they come back and when it's a different kid, they come and switch it to one of their own pictures, whatever. Um, but you do have your favorite pictures, right? Because I always have my phone. I have captured some amazing shots that take my breath away. I've taken photos of my kids at the lake that to me are as amazing as a magazine shot. So what do you do with the amazing photo that you get for those favorite photos? You've got to check out canvas people. Canvas people print your favorite photos on canvas for really unique, beautiful prints. These these prints are like pieces of art, but they can feature your very favorite people or scenery in the whole wide world. I loved my first order so much that I took advantage last weekend of a special deal that came to my email and I ordered another canvas people print. It was just as easy this time, even though this time I did it from my desktop. I used a um, a picture that we had taken a little over a year ago. I think it was our Christmas card in 2016, because we didn't do one this last year. Um, but it was our Christmas card picture. It was a great family photo. I absolutely loved it. And the minute I saw that deal come through my email, I went, Oh, I want to get that picture printed out. So I'm so excited to get that one. I know you're going to love canvas people. And I have a special code that you can use to get an 11 by 14 canvas people print free. This is a 69.99 value. All you do is pay the shipping and handling. Get your own 11 by 14 canvas people print for free. Just visit canvaspeople.com, upload your photo. You can do this from your phone and enter this special code, CLEAN, C-L-E-A-N. This is a special limited offer for today's listeners. Go to canvaspeople.com today and use CLEAN for your free print. Okay, Um, I was just, here's another question. I was just wondering, what would you suggest when you're wanting to donate something, but it doesn't have all the pieces? Do you keep looking for all the pieces and hope to find it or just get rid of the item that's incomplete? Okay. This is a head explosion thing, or it could be a head explosion thing for people like me. Um, And it can be paralyzing. Okay. So 
if you have no hope that you are going to find all of the pieces, go ahead and put it in the trash. I'm so sorry. Okay. But if it's something that cannot be used without the parts and the pieces, put it in there. If it's something that let's say, um, a little, you know, kid's toy that has some sort of, sort of a ball that goes through it or whatever. Let's say that it came with five balls, but you can only find one. Go ahead and donate that. Okay. That's fine. Cause it can be played with, with the one ball. All right. Um, but let's say it's puzzle pieces. Well, what I have done is if I am going through a, um, you know, toy room or whatever, our playroom, if I'm going through and I feel pretty confident that all of the pieces of such and such toy are in this area, then I will go ahead and put those things in the donate box because I am going to continue working until I'm done with this space. Maybe I only work for five minutes today, but eventually I'm going to finish this space. And so I'll put those pieces into the donate box. Um, If I'm feeling really together and with it, I might go grab some gallon sized Ziploc bags, depending on the size of the pieces that I'm talking about and put those in there. If it's too much though, this comes down to the head explosion rule. If this idea of doing it perfectly is going to keep me from doing it at all, Like if the reason I'm completely avoiding this space or this corner or this room um, is that I know there are so many puzzles in there and those, and I will never get all the pieces sorted and all that kind of stuff. And so it's just keeping me from doing anything. That's a head explosion thing and nothing, no single item is worth my head exploding. And so it's better to make progress. And at that point, I decide that all those little pieces are trash and they're going to go in the trash or recycling if they can. But that's not ideal. But remember that the whole point of breaking through that decluttering paralysis and making actual decluttering progress is that I am working toward being able to do things in the ideal way. Here's the thing. When my kids had a puzzle or two, we kept them under control. Now, this is from the family where none of us are puzzle people. And probably that's because I'm not a puzzle person. So I never pushed it on my kids. But we had puzzles. And when we had one, two, maybe three puzzles that were age appropriate, and they actually played with, we kept them under control. Those three puzzles, all the pieces mixed together, not that overwhelming. But as they got older, as I added more kids, and as my garage selling addiction increased, and I would grab every single puzzle that I saw that was 25 cents at a garage sale, and I would grab them all because I was thinking, well, I can afford them, and they're going to make my kids be smarter. And so I'm going to grab every single one of them. They liked that one puzzle. They're going to love all of these. And I never one in one, one end, one outed anything. And so I brought all these puzzles in. Well, at that point, that was past my clutter threshold, which I didn't know was a thing yet. Okay. But we all have a clutter threshold. That's the point at which I have too much stuff. I have more stuff than I can personally keep under control easily. Some people, puzzles are the easiest thing in the world for them to keep under control. It just happens naturally. It did not happen naturally for me. And so when I got to this point where I had too many, then 
all those pieces together mixed up was overwhelming and would cause decluttering paralysis. So what's going on here is you say, this is going to make my head explode. So I'm just going to throw it away. (sighs) But doing that and feeling that guilt and that ickiness over, I can't believe I'm throwing away puzzles that would help someone else's child develop their intellectual capabilities and end up getting a scholarship. If I just wasn't so bad at this, that I could actually keep this stuff under control and didn't lose all the pieces and mix whatever that guilt that I feel changes me. It made me stop buying puzzles. Because seeing how going through that feeling that pain of putting stuff in the trash bag and wasting perfectly good things if I could have kept them under control changed me and helped me realize, you know what? The reason these are like this is that my kids don't care enough about puzzles to actually complete one. They like the idea of dumping all the pieces out but then they don't actually do the puzzle because it's not that exciting. My kids are smart. I promise. They're just not puzzle smart. They're, they're puzzles. They can do it. Anyway, I know. I, I really, I'm just going to stop talking. <laughs> but really, I'm not a puzzle person. And I've never worried about, anyway, being smart. <laughs> so, but the puzzles, as I did that, it made me stop buying puzzles. I saw the reality of our situation. Number one, my kids don't like puzzles that much. Number two, we don't have the type of personality to keep this kind of stuff under control. Toys with teeny tiny parts. And so it made me stop buying them, which then helped me stay under my clutter threshold. And my kids would still ask for a puzzle here and there. It's not like I said no to all of them, but we'd have a puzzle. And then the next time when they wanted a new puzzle? Well, we want one end, one outed it. That's a hard one to turn into a past tense verb. Okay. All right. Um, I hope that helps a little. Okay. Here's a, here's another good question. Hmm. Do you have a pile that you go through with your husband or do you just make all the decisions? I feel like when it's his stuff or our family stuff, I need to confirm with him. Um, Okay, so let me first start out by saying I don't do piles. So I personally do not make piles. Um, I take things where I would look for them first as soon as I come across them. Okay, so my decluttering strategies are set up to not ever put me in a situation where I'm making a bigger mess than what I had when I started. And the way that I always had made a bigger mess was that I would make piles. So I would make, you know, here are the things that are going to go to this room. These things are going to go to this room. And then when I would get distracted and step away, then those piles would all morph into one big pile and I would have to resort them again later um, because I wouldn't remember what all the things were that I was thinking when I'd made them initially, you know, after I got distracted and came back. And those things were outside the space I was decluttering in the first place. And that had made a bigger mess. So I don't do piles. And that includes this kind of stuff. But here's the other thing. I don't pull everything out of a space. Okay, so that is a very um, common and it totally works in an ideal world, but I don't live in an ideal world. Um, A very common decluttering strategy is to pull everything out of a space and just put back the things that you want. 
that is great when it actually works, but 90% of the time it didn't work for me and I would just pull everything out and then life would happen and I would not get back to it and I would have just made my house a total disaster zone, even worse than it was before. So I make a decision about one item as a time at a time as I take it out. I pull out an item, it either goes in the trash, it goes in the donate box, or it goes to the place where I would look for it first. All these things are in other podcasts very much more um, laid out, you know, so the way I determine where its home is, it's either easy, it already has an established home, or it is um, uh, the place where I would look for it first. That's my first decluttering question. So those are the only three places that things go into. And what that allows me to do is just pull one thing out at a time and at any point when I get distracted, I've made progress. If there's less in this space than there was before, I've made progress. So if you know my story, you know that my husband didn't even know that I was doing this in the beginning of when I started the blog. And um, the benefit of that was that I saw the impact of just me focusing on my own stuff. So I didn't have any expectations for him. I was just personally working on my house, personally decluttering. And so I only decluttered my stuff and the neutral stuff. And as I did that, I saw huge progress in my home. My husband saw huge progress in our, in our home. And, um, it changed like the decluttering environment in our house, but I only focused on my stuff. And so because I'm only pulling things out one at a time, if I have a space with stuff that, is either his or that I know he would care about, then um, I don't worry about that stuff. Because my definition of decluttering success is just that there's less in this space when I finish than there was when I started. And there's huge value in a space being better than it was when I started, just having less in it. So I look at this space, I start decluttering, um, you know, start with the easy stuff first. I you know, then I go on and, um, you know, make a decision about things, put things in the donate box, take them where they go, whatever, decide on the container concept, all that stuff. Um, that means that if there is something in there that is his or is ours that he, you know, would care about, then I don't worry about that. And that stays in there. I might later say, Hey, I decluttered this. What do you think about this right here? Um, this item in this space or whatever. That is different than making a pile to ask him about later. Does that make sense? Okay. So I focused on my stuff. And no, I don't make a pile for him to look at later because I just don't make piles. The other thing there is let's say that, you know, and and I know different people have different, um, you know, attachment issues and different readiness to to declutter. And so that can be a problem. And I I get that, you know, my husband is not necessarily the same case as your husband or whatever. But one thing um, that works really well, anytime I'm working with other people is the container concept. And so let's say, you know, I'm looking at this shelf and on this shelf, we've got batteries and fishing lures this is just stuff coming into my head at the moment. Anyway, but batteries and fishing lures. And so if I'm looking here and this is the space that we have for batteries and fishing lures, and these are things that he cares about. And I've already removed stuff out of there that he doesn't care about. 
And yet we have so many batteries and fishing lures. You probably wouldn't put those together, right? Because you don't want metal stuff touching your batteries. But let's say we've still got so many um, batteries and fishing lures in this one cabinet, which is a container, which has a limit to how much space exists in there and what we can do. Then that's when I would say, hey, we only have enough space in here for you know, or I, I'm sorry, what I would say is this cabinet isn't big enough for all of these, um, fishing lures and batteries. So what do you want to get rid of so that we can just fit it in here or, you know, pick out your favorite ones and we'll put those in there, but nothing else will fit unless you have another space somewhere else for it. You know, so it's using that container concept to, again, put the blame on the container and not on me and the strain, not on our relationship. Okay. Um, let's see. I think I have one more question, which I will go ahead and do. It may take us a little over 30 minutes, but that's okay. Um, all right. So last question, do I really need a desk when I work at the kitchen table most of the time? What about paper? Okay. Well, we're not going to get into paper clutter right now. I'll just answer that first question. Do I really need a desk when I work at the kitchen table most of the time? Um, the answer to that is I have no idea. Um, I think you answered your own question that you don't actually work at your desk. I have a desk that I don't work at, but I like that desk. And it has a space in a certain room where we have our printer and where we keep, you know, dusky school supplies and stuff. So it has a purpose and I like the way it looks. It has sentimental attachment for me and I have the space for it. Um, So that is what it ultimately comes down to. Do you want to have a desk or do you not want to have a desk because you really don't care about it and you never actually use it. But if you're using it for, you know, I guess the point is that I don't have, I use my desk even though I don't sit down and write stuff at the desk. Okay. So it has purpose. It is valuable to me. And the one thing that actually matters, I have the space for it in my home. So that is the question of whether or not you need a desk. It's Do you have the space for a desk? And if let's say that you desperately do need your desk, but you don't have the space. Well, then what do you have in your home that you don't need, that you don't use, that's taking up space that the desk needs? Okay, so it's that filling the container, which the container is every drawer is a container, every cabinet is a container, every shelf is a container, every room is a container. And so I have to fit things into there And the things that I use and I need and that make our everyday life better, those are the things that deserve priority in the container space. Okay. They are container worthy. Um, But the other beauty of containers is that if there's space in the container, I can keep it guilt-free. Like if there's a room for it, if there's a place for it, sure, you don't have to get rid of it unless there's no room for it, or unless you just don't want it. If you don't want it, get rid of it. I hope that makes sense. Basically, everything comes down to the container concept. What space do, what space do I have available? And I can't take up space that we need as a family for moving around and 
cooking our meals and not bumping into things, you know, I, as long as I have space for all of those things, then, hey, I can keep what I want to. Got it? Okay. All right. Um, I'm going to stop there. Again, I really encourage you, if you have listened to the very end of the podcast, I think you would enjoy coming to hear me speak. And I would love that. Um, I have several speaking engagements coming up at the end of March, March 24th, which is not the end. It's almost the end. It's in about a week. Um, I will be in Norman, Oklahoma and Moore, Oklahoma, both on March 24th, speaking at the public libraries there. Um, so go to a slobcomesclean.com slash speaking for that. Um, I will also be, also be speaking at Pinner's conferences, which are home and garden shows that have speakers and crafting classes and decluttering classes by me. Um, and lots of fun shopping and all that great girls weekends. And there are the ones in April are in San Diego and Atlanta. And then one toward the end of June in Minneapolis. And I will also be at the Becoming Conference in um, North Carolina, which is at an absolutely, I would say breathtaking, except I think it's breath giving place um, in the mountains near Asheville in North Carolina. And that is, I think the third weekend in April, and it's a very inexpensive conference. Um, you do, you know, pay for your lodging separately, but the conference itself, it's like 60 or $65. It's not even, and it's like two days. So it's a really neat opportunity. Um, it's put on by Jen of beauty and bedlam. So, um, I think you would enjoy that very much and I would love to meet you there. So I will, talk to you guys later. I hope you have an amazing week. All right. Bye.